This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 28th of March 2023 at home in Wicklow and it is a journey from mucky earth to beautiful poetry via the resistance to the resistance to generic podcast material and fascism okay that's the journey that's the journey um there's existentialism in there there's philosophy references there's george orwell and 1984 um there's working the soil there's green grass and there are unseen poems as a statement of anti-fascism that's that's what's coming up so if that sounds remotely enticing intriguing i i hope i can deliver so only one way to find out i will see you around the corner cheers Change my mind Leaving the dream behind Keep my inside Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. If you're feeling like me today, you're wrecked, knackered, shagged, rooted, not in the, the chakra grounded energy sense. <laughs> I feel weary, very weary today, but it's a nice kind of weary. Um, At least I'm choosing to experience it that way. It's not a weariness that's coming on the back of a lot of exercise or hard physical graft. I just woke up tired. Um, I I seem, (laughs) I may be, I may be reaching an age where I simply need more sleep. That's that's a challenging idea to me because I quite enjoy I quite enjoy not needing a huge amount of sleep. But other things can contribute to a general fatigue, a general weariness. And I was feeling great yesterday, very clear-headed, good energy. Um and on Sunday as well. Possibly the result of my first sea swim in a few weeks, um, having been out of the water because of illness and bad conditions, uh, bad sea conditions. But this morning I woke up and things just didn't feel quite right. But the good thing is, sometimes that type of that type of tiredness, it can bring a very pleasurable weight to the body where you're forced to sink into yourself a bit more and you know it's not a very auspicious way to begin an episode by saying I'm really tired (laughs) that's not that's not very encouraging for for the listener but I'm actually feeling very very positive about it 
and calm. And I think that's a nice that's a nice thing to associate with this type of this type of weight in the body that it's bringing sort of a calmness and a stillness and an almost almost uh, a serenity um totally undeserved <laughs> but hey hey it's my life <laughs> This is my moment and I'm choosing to do this with it and I'm indoors and I've got some layers on and it's drizzly and grey and not very nice outside although there's a clear sense of spring having sprung especially with the clocks changing last uh, last Sunday um, so we're going to be getting the brighter evenings uh, and I'm just waiting for the rain to stop so I can start cutting the grass again and getting the uh, the front and back the front and back gardens into better shape because it's been a it's been a morass a morass a swamp um very mucky and yeah I'm not I'm not enjoying that like, yeah I was about to start going on about how lovely it is to walk on nice grass <laughs> But that is, that's a, you know, that's a, that is a sensory pleasure. And I'm just not a fan of, of muck, clingy, claggy, sticky muck. I don't enjoy it. Uh, And even if I'm working, um, doing, you know, physical work, laboring, manual labor, digging trenches or what, whatever, uh, yeah, heavy boots made heavier by wet, sticky mud. I hate. I remember years ago. I may have told you this before. I remember years ago working uh, in doing a bit of building work, a bit of labouring in in London in a, a waterworks, and I had to go down into a a sunken silo, um, forty or fifty feet. Uh, below ground level and there was digging there was digging to be done and the ground was like it was like clay like potter's clay it was so unbelievably thick and dense and solid um, but also super sticky and um, yeah I remember going down there you get in early, go down in the dark and spend the day in the dark, apart from coming up for your breaks. Um, that kind of work can be extraordinarily <laughs> challenging. Not the physical aspect, just the sensory aspect. Um, yeah, so anyway, grass, walking on grass. And I must say, I'm looking out the window here. The grass is long and it's wet, but it's a lovely shade of green and yeah there's something even to look at it there's a palpable freshness and a palpable newness to it which is really lovely um and funny enough the other day funnily funnily enough on a on an unrelated matter not really unrelated because it's to do with nature and earth and the ground 
I was driving back from my swim on Sunday morning and coming along uh, coming along the road I come along to you know that takes me away from the sea and back inland and I just kind of came around a corner and was struck by this but yeah, but by by what was to me a sort of a timeless, iconic image, which was simply of two men bent over working in a field, and the field was it was it was it was almost entirely soil tilled soil, and there was no hedge or fence to obscure the view, and at the moment of seeing them there were no indications of modernity anywhere and the way the light struck the men they were silhouetted and it just kind of took my breath away for a moment as as I as I kind of took it in I just had an instinctive kind of arrest of just like oh I've just traveled back in time and this could have happened at any time over the last few hundred years. It was extraordinary. And they were, I realized as I drove past, they were, they were wearing, you know, con- you know, modern clothes, contemporary clothes. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have noticed that as they were in shadow. And they were planting saplings, baby trees, uh, on a Sunday morning, which is an unusual time to see lads doing that kind of work. But the... The, 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 you know the, the, they were the, the sky and the rising field was the backdrop and they were in the foreground um and they could have been something from i don't know from a a jack b yates painting and it was yeah there was just a real i suppose beauty is the word that comes to mind there was a, a beauty and uh a rightness and a healthiness, no, an honesty to it, um, a purity, because honesty is a very subjective term and maybe that colours it in the wrong way. But there was something so elemental and irrefutable about the action that they were doing, you know, standing on the soil, putting something into the soil using their hands, uh, nothing else around, no machinery, no modern equipment, no Wi-Fi. And yeah, it was just, it was just this lovely, lovely little moment. And uh, it just, it just jumped back in my head there as I was looking out the window at the, at the grass. The grass is green on the green. Anyway, so, yes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes in, just like that, boom, and you're welcome, of course you're welcome, if you're here, you're welcome, it's a very simple premise, <laughs> if you come, you're welcome, <laughs> if you didn't come, you're not listening, so I'm not talking to you, so go away, um, yeah, so thank you, thank you if you're listening, I'm very grateful for your, your presence, the presence of your ears, your mind, your being, no matter what your being is doing, um, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to really get a sense of what this podcast is about because I'm closing in on a hundred episodes and that means I'll, I'll have been doing this for nearly two years very soon um, and I've managed to pop it out once a week that's not a euphemism I'm talking about releasing the episode of the podcast and I'm not really seeing uh, I'm not really seeing any growth <laughs> as the actress said to the bishop no growth um, I'm not really seeing any growth I'm not really seeing any increase in my my listenership and it's that's frustrating but it can't really be anybody's fault but mine <laughs> so I'm really I'm really trying to go what the hell is this thing that I'm doing here once a week and who is it for and I'm thinking this way because I, I look at different sort of podcast experts uh, and see what they're what they say about how to make these things work but I, I you know I, when I say I see them I mean I do I kind of I glance at you know two Instagram posts and go oh yeah okay um, and that, that that's about the extent of my my my, my research but I, I realize there's a like there's a tension between how I want to do this and how to how to kind of raise its profile and how to reach a larger audience because I I really want to lean into how I do this which is quite ramshackle and unpredictable and loose um you know loose to the point of being in complete disarray only held together by my determination to impose order on the scrambled eggs of my thoughts and impulses and interests all in service of this this version of sort of wellness interrogation um and maybe you know maybe I've backed myself into a corner by describing this as a wellness podcast. Maybe that's too too reductive, um, but it kind of is. It is a response to to so much curated content and so much sort of polished content that's out there. Um, and I don't want that because I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not selling anything and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to perfect or hone my brand. And so there's a tension there because maybe that's what I should be doing. Maybe that's what this is supposed to do to make it, um, to elevate it and to, to make it succeed in 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 that conventional sense of success which means you know huge listenership and advertising sponsorship money income um and then add-ons um and other opportunities um and i mean 
yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice if I could make that happen. But ultimately, the success of this for me is what it does for me on a personal level. Um, and I enjoy doing it. And it's something I've been doing either in written form, you know, that I started in written form with the blog, uh, theclearout.com. That website is coming soon. I'm actually working on it at the moment, trying to dot I's and cross T's and get it over the line. So, um, hola, Daniel, if you're listening, uh, I'm working on that. Daniel's my man who helps me with, with the branding of the podcast and he's put together a website, but I have to fill in. I have to do a lot of inputting to get the the website sort of launch ready. And I just haven't had time um, over the last couple of months. So I started, finally started looking at that yesterday. And it's, yeah, it's a bit tedious and labor intensive, but grand, I'll get there. Um, But yeah, the the whole thing... I want, you know, I I don't want to. It's hilarious. It's, it's like <laughs> this is this is the Bob Dylan controversy going from acoustic to plugged in, um, to the howls of the purest fans. Um, it's yeah. But there is there's a truth in that, um, and maybe there's fear as well. Like, maybe there's fear of stepping into uncomfortable territory and for me uncomfortable territory is pushing hard in terms of promotion branding marketing making this into something else um so i'm trying to i'm trying to just kind of chill out on that front and go don't worry just keep working on making what i'm doing each week good consistent authentic and that 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 word authentic is important here to me because I would love that people would listen to this and go, yeah, that, 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 that's real. You know, what, what I talk about, the stuff I talk about, the way I talk about it, that people would go, that's real, that's relatable, that's normal. And I'm not being, I'm not being sold anything. I'm not being given sound bites and cute little things to you know walk away with um i i was listening to a podcast last week and i had to turn it off after about five minutes because i was so irritated by what i was hearing and previously when i used to buy newspapers regularly before you know before so much stuff switched online and I get 99.9% of my news online now. But it wouldn't be uncommon for me to throw the newspaper away from myself in disgust at uh, whatever. Whatever had ticked me off or had made my uh, my indignation come to the fore. But it wouldn't be unusual to fire the newspaper away from myself in, in disgust. <laughs> uh, and I had a similar experience last week i was listening to a podcast and the the podcast it was funny it was, this podcast was recommended to me by an actor i worked with recently um how are you Fionn foley if you're listening um and it's called diary of a ceo i think the host's name is it stephen bartlett or something like that some young very successful english guy i can't remember his blurb is on his podcast i read it but i've forgotten but you know another 
super success story of some young entrepreneurial type. And I did listen to one where he had a, a long interview with Seth Rogen, which was fine. Um, and then last week he was interviewing, is it Simon Sinek? Is that his name? Simon Sinek. He's kind of a, done a lot of TED Talks and public speaking and preaches sort of optimism, positivity. Um, has definitely got a couple of books out there about sort of business leadership and kind of more tuned in emotionally intelligent leadership and how, how to do well in the workplace, I guess. And, yeah, I, I've seen some clips of his online and he always seems to come across pretty well. But I wasn't overly interested in him. I, I sort of had, you know, my instinct was, oh, that's a pretty good guy and he's doing good stuff. Anyway, he was on this um, podcast and he was, ret- he was a returning guest. And the hook for the podcast was he was going to talk about loneliness. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And after the initial couple of minutes of, you know, the mutual kind of love in and you're so amazing and, you know, your episodes being the most popular, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and already I'm resisting kind of going any further. Um, but he started to talk about how he he hadn't been in great form and was feeling a bit lonely in his life. I'm paraphrasing monstrously here. And he didn't like talking about mental health as mental health. He preferred to talk about it as mental fitness. And, and again, that was kind of a trigger for me. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again, you know. Just make it a nice little catchy thing. I'll put my little stamp on it. Um, and then but I was still willing, okay, I'll keep listening, I'll keep listening, grand. And then he just said something to the effect of um, he had been feeling, I don't know, I can't even remember, basically. It was like, kind of, he'd been having some sort of personal low, kind of low day or a low mood um, and just not feeling great or, you know, particularly motivated. Uh, I mean, this guy looks like he's in his 30s or 40s. and he said, but then I thought it was okay because, you know, you know, I realized, you know, it's okay. You know, it's just part of being human. And I thought, holy shit. I said, is that it? Is that, is that, is that the personal insight? Is that the Damascene revelation? I just thought, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, and it was just... It was so unbelievably, I'm not even sure, I don't know if I'll I'll be able to find the words to convey my sort of disappointment, disenchantment. That's not even right, because it's not like my expectations were that high. But this was an indication that he was pitching at such a low level um, that there was nothing remotely revelatory in what he in what he said and I was going hold on this guy's been in the public sphere for 10 or 15 years becoming enormously successful preaching positive psychology um, and you know positivity oriented strategies for success in, in, in business and in life and uh, 
and then this was his kind of his 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 nugget um and i just i had to turn it off straight away i was just like i can't keep going i can't keep going with this it's I, I you can hear me you can hear that i'm struggling to articulate my issue with this um I just found myself, my instinct was, you, you have nothing to say. If you're only coming to that conclusion now, you have nothing to say. Now, that's very disingenuous on my part because I accept that he probably has lots of interesting things to say and has obviously done so to, to enormous, enormous uh, and consistent positive reception. But I was, I just found myself astonished at, the, the I don't know the the hubris to present that in in a conversation as as something that was meant to be novel, something that was meant to be you know new and kind of profound, and I thought, okay, maybe if this is a podcast for eight year olds. I just thought, get the hell out of here. This is like a complete loss of perspective. And I just had this sense of, okay, so this is just two really, really successful people um, rubbing up against each other and going, that feels nice. And I just don't find that interesting. And yeah, and, and, it, and it's a reason why sometimes when I listen to podcasts hosted by celebrities, um, interviewing other celebrities, that also is is not very interesting. Um, it really depends on the you know the personalities involved. Um, you know that if you've listened to the the show before. I mean, my my lifelong interest in in movies and acting, actors, creative people in those fields. Uh, that 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 definitely colors what I listen to a lot in terms of the podcasts I listen to very much you know movie oriented um and that's fine but then sometimes uh, you know listening to interviews with with actors can be very I don't know. It can all get a bit. It, it can all get a bit lovey. It can all get a bit lovey dovey. I mean, I've spoken about this before. I listened to um, I listened to Smartless, the podcast presented by um, those three funny fellas, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, and they just interview a who's who of big Hollywood names, and they're very funny. Their their dynamic between the, the three of them is very funny, but sometimes when they get to the actual interview parts, it's all it can all get a bit sort of sycophantic um, with lots of sort of, you know, namaste, pray hand, pray hands, um, expressions of, of, of gratitude and, you know, performative humility, um, which, uh, yeah, it's kind of gross and, yeah, not, not that interesting at all. And so this, you know, this is a way of sort of circling back to my, my sort of, um, I don't want to call it a dilemma, but this area that I'm looking at now in terms of 
how to sharpen the focus of of what I'm doing here on on my podcast. And I realize since the very first blog post I put on my um, on my website, which is ten years ago, I I seem to revel in 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 mediocrity. <laughs> I mean med- mediocrity and, and mediocre these are um, these are kind of dirty words um, because they shoot down the notion of exceptionalism and I it's my my instinct and what I feel I perceive online in the online space that so many people are presenting versions of exceptionalism uh, and particularly all the the hyper positive stuff the, the so-called toxic positivity the the positivity messaging that's curated uh to you know within an to an inch you know, within an inch of its life um until it just it, it just doesn't resemble anything close to reality uh and it's usually delivered by people who are They've got this kind of generically pseudo blissed out look in their eyes that's simultaneously giving an impression of being inspired while also being totally vapid. Um, And it seems to involve a lot of a lot of smiling and um, a lot of dwelling on personal insights and i mean i could could be i could be describing myself (laughs) but it's um it just it just doesn't ring true it just doesn't ring true and it 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 comes back then to this like what i'm doing here it's it, it really i'm trying to offer an antidote to all of that an antidote to the relentless shininess without it being a gratuitous wallowing in failure um because that's not especially um that's not especially interesting or inspiring or moving and i think what i'm doing here on some level has great potential to inspire because it's really about going yeah most of us are just tipping along and not doing amazingly (laughs) but we all have we all have our our moments of, of of triumph on a on a on a day-to-day or or week-to-week basis and that that is what i find that i come back to again and again it's the it's the everyday it's the everyday battles it's the day by day struggles it's it's the repetition and i mean this is it's a very philosophical thing ultimately because this is the this is the sort of the existentialist crisis um 
with you know a touch of you know with a touch of Nietzsche thrown in there as well the the eternal recurrence going round and round and round and round again and again and again and again and asking ourselves how how am I still here why why haven't I progressed to a better place why am I still sitting here with myself um how incredibly boring <laughs> how incredibly boring and depressing this is uh, and, and the existentialists the you know, the likes of Camus they're you know these, these these are the guys who are just kind of going this is all for nothing um you know people like Samuel Beckett uh it's like this is all a joke the 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 journey the journey towards the end the journey towards finality the journey towards becoming a, a black dot the full stop um where you know from from where do we find meaning from where do we find motivation um is it ever going to arrive what are we what are we waiting for is this just a is life just a waiting room is life just a, a departure lounge and yeah i don't know what like that that's again that's that's we're in very very subjective territory there um and ultimately ultimately i come back to uh i come i try to come back to 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 now and go well what what am i doing now where am i now what's what's going on in my life now and what can i what can i do now to to best apply myself or best utilize myself or to best take something from this moment uh and certainly when it comes to parenting um you know being a father you know uh, when i'm when i'm with my my daughter who is now nine and a half i try to I try to kind of maximize what I'm getting from time spent with her because that is a very particular time vehicle. A child getting older before your eyes and watching uh, watching a childhood accelerate past you until it'll it's, it's going to be gone. And, you know, I'm, I'm in no way... Um, you know, I'm in no way feeling you know maudlin or or negative or desperate or fearful about that inevitability. Um, it is what it is, but I find it very healthy sometimes to to look at my daughter and go, "This is it. This is this is her childhood. It's happening now." And I'm lucky enough to be very involved in it by virtue of the choices I've made. And I'm really, I'm really grateful. Um, and when it comes to some of my, my parenting decisions, I, I try to remind myself, yeah, it's okay. You know, let her have a positive memory. Let her have something nice happen. Because 
even in a, even a year from now, what she wants will be different. What she enjoys will be different. In two or three years, God knows if she'll even talk to me. <laughs> um, and it's, I don't think it's a bad idea to sort of take that into other areas of your life. Um, I mean, we tend, no, I shouldn't speak for we, I can say that it's easy to view adulthood as, as, as stasis almost that you're a child and then you're not. And that's it, baby. Um, and it can be, it, it can be a great kind of door closer on your imagination to go, well, this is it then. This is, this is the grown up stuff. Oh, did I talk about the lilies last week? <laughs> Sorry, there's lilies in here and a petal, a petal just fell off. Oh wait, no, it was a leaf. I'm sorry, a leaf just fell off the the lily. Are they tiger lilies? They've got the the white petals with um, with purple in them. Um, part of a a large a large bouquet of flowers that I I was um, very fortuitously given, and which I was then able to pass on to my wife. <laughs> Happy birthday! Oh, they're lovely. Let me just take that card out of there. You don't need that. Boom. So um, the lilies, they won't last much longer. And I don't think I mentioned them last week, but the the, the, the room, the home studio here at Hashtag Blessed, it just uh, was filled with the, the scent of the lilies. Yeah, I can still get it there. It's not as strong as it was last week. So, you know, you know, they're on the turn. Um, now that just completely broke my 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 my, my train of thought. Uh, applying the the that attitude to your life of it's passing, enjoy it now. Don't don't get into the don't get into the deferred living. I was going to say deferred pleasure. That's not it. I don't mind putting off a treat. Um. But deferred living, I have an issue with. You know, we need to do this, and then in 10 years we can... I'm like, what are you talking about? You could be dead tomorrow. Um, you've got to live now, even if it's in a very... On a very modest scale, uh, I believe you, you've got to... You've got to find those moments in the day, uh, every day, Um even one moment's enough just to go, this is lovely. I don't know what that is. Sometimes for me, it's just the mug of coffee I make in the morning. Sometimes it's being in the garden with the dog in the morning. Good old pepper. Um, sometimes it is looking up and seeing a, a red kite or a buzzard flying overhead. Or seeing the trees blow in the wind. Um, are listening to a tune now on that note on that note of nice things I was looking at something earlier this morning on 
on Instagram. Someone had put up a, a snippet of an old interview with George Orwell and he was being interviewed about 1984. And fundamentally, he was describing the book as a parody, which is a rather unusual word to use to describe that particular work. But in spite of that, he went on to assert that the the bleak vision of the novel was a very possible future reality for society. Um, and that ultimately the worst end of that, the, the, the sort of the, the, the image that he presented was this sort of gradual disappearance of all things treasurable, all things ecstatic. Uh, he referred to the sex impulse dying, to um, the disappearance of, of, of orgasms. Um, and you know, he, he wasn't presenting this in any sort of salacious, sensual way. He's been very clinical and cold in how he presented this. And he said, what we're going to be left with is the image of a a boot, a jackboot in the human face. And that will be what humanity will have been reduced to. And he, his final exhortation then was, we must not let this happen. And it was... Yeah, well, you know, it was a, it was it was kind of like whoa, this is this isn't just a cute song or a kitten in a coffee cup. This is some pretty heavy stuff here. And as the morning kind of went on this morning, I found myself thinking, well, like, what, like, what is this? Like, how do you how do you stop fascism fundamentally? If that's what he's referring to, you know, fascism or the his his sort of commentary. I suppose if you think of Animal Farm um, in 1984, the sort of uh, fascist, you know, the the rise of fascist states, the rise of controlling fascistic governments, the rise of warped um, power susceptible communism. Um, you know, the, the, you know the, the the rise of corruption, basically the rise of human corruption, venality in the offices of power, uh, to such an extent that it crushes the, the 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 citizenship, and crushes normal people, and uh, betrays ideals that were presented as being the saving ideas of society. Um, and. He would have been, of course, referring to what he was witnessing in you know mid twentieth century Europe, um, and the rise of the you know probably the rise of Nazism, the rise of fascism in Italy, uh, the rise of Stalinism in 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 the Soviet Union, and he was, I suppose, um, able to see. What you know, and what he presented in 19, 1984 is like what that might look like if one of those kinds of powers took hold in in England, and that you know that dystopian book gave us the phrase Big Brother um, 
and presented this, you know, this vision of absolute control. Um, and so I, I was trying to sort of unpack this before I was recording uh, today. And I was kind of going, okay, well, there's that obvious, you know, the, the, you know the, 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 there's the obvious sort of understanding of fascism in in in, a, in governmental shape. Um, and we think of dictators and a brutal police force, um, you know, monolithic government ideas, uh, monolithic iconography. Uh, and speak, speaking of which, I, I see uh, Donald Trump had a, a very ominous looking political rally uh, in Waco at the weekend. Um, and there were some very sinister images of him presented uh, in, in the media standing uh, standing tall and proud with a huge screen behind him that was showing the, the capital riots from um, 2021 um, and then the, the rhetoric he was using was I suppose very provocative and uh, belligerent and inflammatory um, divisive as divisive as ever um, so he, he yeah that, 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 he, <laughs> he kind of fits the bill in a way um, he continues yeah he continues to to, to be an extraordinarily um, repellent figure and you know, a lightning rod for such leering intolerance um, and hatred for for so many Americans um, and this 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 you know this very ugly this very ugly populism that he he represents it's um yeah i i i find it very troubling um because it's he he continues to give a green light to to very unattractive human impulses um and in no way does he he represent anything resembling unity um Although you could argue that, well, he's rep- he represents unity on one side of the political divide in the states, but um, but in any case, I was trying to sort of think about the another aspect of of fascism or another aspect of totalitarianism, and I mean, if we define fascism as enforced rule um or yeah an enforced an enforced sort of rule book or an enforced vision of of what society should be and you think fundamentally it's you know it's it's dogma with a, a truncheon attached it's it's dogma kicked into your head via the jackboot and the I suppose the lie 
you know, the lie we tell ourselves, um, the lie we tell ourselves often is that, well, you know, it looks like, it always looks like um, Hitler's Nazis. It always looks like Mussolini's black shirts. Um, You know, it it looks like, you know, Stalin's enforcers. um, Or it looks like, you know, Pinochet's, um, you know, brutalist approach to dissenters and the lie we tell ourselves is that you know we're you know the governments that don't do that are 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 the good guys and the 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 established kind of institutions are are yeah are the good guys and that's you know i'm not a conspiracy theorist at all on any level but the those ideas have to be challenged and explored as well and interrogated. And certainly if you look at the, the report that just came out about the London Metropolitan Police, it was a damning indictment of institutional racism, misogyny and homophobia in that that organisation, which has been dogged by, by controversies um, and police failings uh, for years and years and years you're going back decades at this stage and they don't seem any closer to 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 solving what they are um but anyway sorry that's a digression i was thinking this question this question of like how do you stop fascism and I was thinking, Jesus, you know, I'm not particularly political. (laughs) I'm not particularly political in the sense that I don't want to, I've never been motivated to go out and protest. I've never been motivated to join a political party. I've never lobbied uh, a political representative. It's, it's just not where my, my instincts lead me. Um, And so, you know, it's not that I don't care. Although I certainly didn't care when I was a teenager, um, a kid or a teenager, my political convictions probably were ignited um, in my early to mid twenties. But I was thinking more about this idea that fascism lays down a very strict template of what can and can't be said and what can and can't be sung and what can and can't be read so fascism doesn't want to invite any form of dissent it doesn't want to leave the door open for debate it doesn't want to hear the counter argument and I found myself thinking about the, you know, about about so much stuff that's online and so many of these um, figures online and, you know, who, who, you know, nothing to do with politics. I'm just talking about the sort of what passes for, what passes for, for content, what passes for discussion, what passes for 
ideas or the sharing of ideas and and in a way I was thinking about this podcast that I was talking about earlier the one I had to switch off and I just I found myself thinking God if, if that's if that's where we're at in terms of interrogation of personal psychology we're in deep trouble and yet there's a, a huge amount of um, mutual affirmation and, and mutual appreciation and, and chin stroking and head nodding um, and it, it, there are times it just feels like it's a little bit you know the emperor's new clothes and there's just a very unchallenged uh, widespread consent and I thought well is that not on some level a type of fascism um, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even I'm not even really getting that close to identity politics and culture wars and woke positions you know so-called woke positions which and I mean because I've spoken about that at different times through you know over the, the the history of the podcast and I think they do often in often you know often those politics and ideas um, and flashpoints can bring with them a terrible intolerance um, and a a kind of a gleeful, willful uh, desire to just simply shut down the the voice of dissent and the the the, the opposing view, um, and I've certainly been troubled by that as an as an aspect of that. A lot of the discourse in those areas, it just feels very absolutist, and. I can't not make a connection between that and a type of fascism. Um, but to, to to go back to the idea then that there is, and, and, you know, and this feeds into the sort of the 1984 iconography and imagery and symbolism and the, you know, the, the world depicted in that book uh, as a world that's very grey and yeah grey monochrome joyless um, ominous sinister um, with no deviation or, or fluctuation or spontaneity and Focusing on that sort of area, I found myself thinking is is a way to resist fascism simply to find pleasure in all the different things we can find pleasure in and particularly aesthetically and particularly in the, the, the world of, of the senses, particularly in the world of artistic expression, um, and not, and, and just for the sake of it, 
like just for the sake of it, not, well, here's my anti-fascist statement. Here's my anti-fascist song, my anti-fascist piece of theatre. I mean, they, they have their places. They have their place as well, of course. Um, but, I, yeah, I just found myself wondering, is that, if you're not going to be a political activist, is that the way, is that the way to resist the, the the singularity of thought, the singularity of vision, the imposition, and it is that's what it is. Ultimately, fascism is an imposition of values, an imposition of of a rigid code uh, of 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 behavior, and more invasively, the imposition of a code of of thinking, and that's ultimately where fascism wants to get most of all is inside your head and to control what's in there and that's what that's that's of course why there's there's such a fear of of free speech in in fascist regimes um and such a determination to impose the strictest possible forms of of censorship um so yeah that's that, that was kind of that was where my my instinct led me to go well is that not its own act of protest um and in, and in a way that might be colossally naive but the protest is not alone it's not alone to say i'm not interested in in fascism i'm not interested in the the restrictive narrowing of worldview um, and the restrictive narrowing of social mores and what is socially tolerated. It's not only that I'm not interested in that, um, but also that I'm not even, I'm so not interested in that that I'm not even going to engage in a direct act of opposition. I'm not even going to engage in the idea of protest I'm simply going to immerse myself in a way of thinking and a way of living that has nothing to do with what what the you know what the fascism of of choice represents um and as I said before my line of thinking was is that then to just immerse oneself in in immerse oneself in 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 embracing human creativity perhaps because there's nothing creative in fascism is there because it's all about control and restriction and um uniformity um you know literally and behaviorally um and so creativity is is deviation and creativity is you know creativity is running away from the factory and creativity is is following the impulse and following curiosity um and seeing seeing what form of expression that leads to 
so um so yeah so listen <laughs> i didn't i didn't really know that i was going to go there with that today but um that's where i've ended up but funny enough i did i, I brought in beside me uh today i brought in two little books because i was i was i walked i walked into the other room and my wife asked me if i was stalling and what she meant by that was am i stalling starting the podcast because i wasn't sure what the hell i was going to talk about I, I was a little bit but um i thought there are times and believe me it happens frequently and maybe you can relate to this there are times when you're just sick sick of your own words <laughs> And sick of your own thoughts. And so to to wrap up this episode, I'm going to read some unseen poems. I brought in two beautiful little uh, poetry books with me beside the, um, they're sitting here beside the microphone. They're both every man's library pocket poets editions. Yeah, the Everyman Library Pocket Poets editions. So they're little like hand, you know, nice little, uh, what size is this? It's not A3, is it one below A3? No, A3 is going the other direction, A5. Um, One is Love Songs and Sonnets. I feel like I've had this book for 20 years or more. Uh, lovely little hardback editions. I'm just going to, I'm going to see if I can find the um, the first published date on this. Yeah, 1997. I may have had it as long as that. What would that be? 26 years. And a more recent one, which is Poems of New York, which I may even have bought in New York. And I was last in New York in 2009. This edition is from 2002. And I dip in and out of these books occasionally and have different spells. I've been very enthusiastic about them. But I just thought, you know what? And this 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 will be nice now for my thesis, my anti-fascism thesis. I'm just going to randomly dip and read the first poem or poems I see. So I'm going to finish up with these today. We might get three or four poems, um, and it, it'll just be refreshing. <laughs> it'll be it'll be refreshing to get away from my fascism. Um, my insistence that you listen to my voice alone and my words alone so i'm just gonna i'm just opening the new york poems i'm gonna see where i fetch up um and you know what that first one that fetched up looks very long so i'm gonna skip this is called letter to ny and it's for louise crane and it's by elizabeth bishop In your next letter, I wish you'd say where you are going and what you are doing. How are the plays and after the plays, what other pleasures you're pursuing? Taking cabs in the middle of the night, driving as if to save your soul, where the road goes round and round the park and the meter glares like a moral owl. And the trees look so queer and green, standing alone in big black caves. And suddenly you're in a different place, where everything seems to happen in waves. 
And most of the jokes you just can't catch, like dirty words rubbed off a slate. And the songs are loud, but somehow dim, and it gets so terribly late. And coming out of the brownstone house to the grey sidewalk, the watered street, one side of the buildings rises with the sun like a glistening field of wheat. Wheat, not oats, dear, I'm afraid. If it's wheat, it's none of your sowing. Nevertheless, I'd like to know what you are doing and where you are going. Hmm. Can't remember having read, I've never read that one before. That was nice. Um, okay, that was from Poems of New York. Elizabeth Bishop, letter to NY. Okay, let me see. Love songs and sonnets. It's going to do a random open. Now, oh well, that's a great title. Cynthia on horseback. <laughs> this is by Philip Ayres. Uh, and his dates are 1638 to 1712. Let's see what we make of this. Cynthia on horseback. Fair Cynthia mounted on her sprightly pad, which in white robe with silver fringe was clad, and swift as wind his graceful steps did move, as with his beauteous guide he'd been in love. Though fierce, yet humble still to her command, obeying every touch of her fair hand, her golden bit his foaming mouth did check, it spread his crest, and raised his bending neck. She was the rose upon this hill of snow. Her sparkling beauty made this glorious show. Whence secret flames men in their bosoms took. The graces and the cupids her surround. Attending her while cruel she does wound. With switch her horse and hearts with every look. Well now, that all sounded that all sounded a bit racy. Cynthia on horseback, indeed. Okay, I'm going to give you two more before I wrap up. Oh, the sun has come out. Isn't that lovely? I'm going to take I'm going to take Pepper the dog for a walk. There are some strange um, what formations on the window? They're like spores, <laughs> spores, spores. Spores, spores. They're a little bit alien looking on the uh, on the outside. Although there's a nice cobweb up in the corner. Very um, gossamery looking one. Um, okay, here we go. Here's another one from New York. This is by Howard Moss, and it's called the Roof Garden. A nervous hose is dribbling on the tar this morning on this rooftop where I'm watching you. Move among your sparse pinchpenny flowers. Poor metronomes of colour one month long that pull the sun's rays in as best they can and suck life up from one mere inch of dirt. There's water in the sky, but it won't come down. Once we counted the skyline's water towers, barrels made of shingle, fat and high, an African village suspended above the needle hardness of New York that needs more light than God provides to make it soft. 
that needs the water in the water towers to snake through pipe past all the elevators to open up in bowls and, and baths and showers. Soon our silence will dissolve in talk, in talk that needs some water and some sun, or it will go the same way as before. Dry repetitions of the ill we bear each other, the baited poles of light angling through the way the sun today fishes among the clouds. Now you are through watering geraniums, and now you go to the roof edge to survey the real estate of architectural air, tense forms wrought up, torn down, replaced, to be torn down again, so much like us. Your head against the sky is topped by a tower clock, blocks away, whose two black hands are closing on the hour. And I look down into the street below, rinsed fresh this morning by a water truck, down which a girl, perky in high heels, clops by, serenely unaware of us, of the cables, gas lines, telephone wires, and water mains writhing underfoot. Hmm. Nice, nice imagery, no? Um, now, none of these three. I hadn't hadn't any of these three before, so I'm going for the last. I'll see what um, I'll see what fetches up. I'll back to the love songs, sonnets and love songs. And I'll, I'll 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 try and get one towards the back and see if that gives me something. Now let me see. Letty's Globe on one page, or to my mother. Hmm, let me see. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. All right, I'll try to my mother for the crack. This is by George Barker. Uh, his dates are 1913 to 1991. Most near, most dear most loved and most far, under the window where I often found her, sitting as huge as Asia, seismic with laughter, gin and chicken helpless in her Irish hand, irresistible as Rabelais, but most tender for the lame dogs and hurt birds that surround her. She is a procession no one can follow after, but be like a little dog following a brass band. She will not glance up at the bomber or condescend to drop her gin and scuttle to a cellar, but lean on the mahogany table like a mountain whom only faith can move. And so I send, oh, all my faith and all my love to tell her that she will move from morning into mourning. Hmm. And those last two mornings, the first morning, so that she will move from mourning is M-O-U-R, to mourn someone or something. And then the second morning, from that morning into mourning, as in the beginning of the day. Okay, cool. I hadn't read that one either. So there you go. I mean, I obviously haven't, I've never gone through every poem in these books. All those four poems were all new to me. 
maybe they were new to you maybe you're familiar with them but um they were all nice in their own way so there you go that's my anti-fascism demonstration for random poems for distinctive viewpoints for subjects and all from different times um so that's nice one going back to the 17th century that was cynthia on horseback wasn't it go on cynthia <laughs> get up that hill <laughs> okay i'm done and uh there you go thank you thank you so much for listening um you can you can reach out uh to me show me some love on social media the, the links will be there wherever you're listening to this you can become a supporter a financial supporter of the podcast this independent production you can do that using either the supporter link there should be a supporter link somewhere um or where you can make a one-off donation or if you want to use patreon you can become a patron and join the ranks nearly 100 episodes i think i have four patrons (laughs) that is i mean i'm obviously doing something really wrong uh, and how I'm approaching this. It's hard to ask for help. I think that's that's part of it. It's hard to ask for help. And here, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to conclude this episode. And this is very dicey because the chances of someone having started this and listened to it to the bitter end are, are slim, particularly a new listener. But I'm going to do what they call a, uh, what's known in the business, the podcasting business, as a, a CTA, a call to action if you listen to this podcast if you like it if you enjoy it now that's a you know that's if you're a regular regular listener but even if this is the first episode you've ever listened to and you liked it you enjoyed it it did something for you it made you think it made you smile it made you laugh it made you reach for the stop button if you did like that please consider sharing it with someone else Consider sharing it with everyone that you think might enjoy it. Everyone, anyone you know that might be looking for an antidote to all the curated, perfected product that's out there online in many, many different forms. Give it to anyone who is looking for something that's a little bit dissolute and a little bit messy and slightly chaotic and yet has a through line, and yet is anchored to the earth. Uh, Because I think that's what this is. It's meant to be an antidote to all the performative, curated, glossy crap that I think is not good for us at all, that twists our brain in funny shapes and makes us anxious and invites us to to compare our inadequacy inadequacy with the perfection of others and i just go now screw all that let's just be normal let's be real let's just go on this journey together and you know live each day through um yeah through the 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 ups and downs And, and don't be afraid to have those downs real um because that's what they are. We can't we can't make light of them, and we shouldn't. Um, so anyway, there you go. So yeah, do consider sharing, and even consider consider becoming a patron. 
at uh, patreon.com forward slash the clear out and the thinking there is it's like if you saw me and said jesus you know i really enjoyed that episode here let me buy a coffee or here let me buy a sandwich you know you know a medium level sandwich you know something affordable not like some ridiculously overpriced sandwich that you get in some uh, wanky restaurant here let me buy a sandwich let me buy you a couple of star bars i like an old star bar you can do that via patreon three or four five euros is it a month or every fortnight i don't know consider doing that because that would help that would help me go this is worthwhile apart from you know what it does for me it would make me believe that okay this has legs and can go somewhere and can grow and then i can say to my wife look five patrons not just four it only took 100 episodes <laughs> okay that's it that's all i've got thank you very much for listening and uh, mind yourselves and yeah stick it to the man fight the power uh read poems listen to music make art follow your curiosity that's the that's the anti-fascist campaign okay all right i'll talk to you real soon uh next week in fact mind yourselves take care lots of love see ya bye Inside.